Nothing But The Words, episode number 115. What it's really like to have a traditional book deal featuring Miriam Shulman, author of Artpreneur. What if it's possible to finally write the book that's been on your mind for months or even years? Welcome to Nothing But The Words, the podcast that gives you tips, insights, and practical advice to write a transformative book in spite of all your doubts and fears. Writing a successful book isn't just for the lucky few. You can do it too with the right coach on your side. Now here's your host, your book coach, Candace L. Davis. Today's guest is an artist author, the host of the Inspiration Place podcast, and an all-around delightful human being. She has helped thousands of creatives around the world develop their skills and create more time and freedom to do what they love, largely by selling more of their artwork. Her signature coaching program, The Artist Incubator, teaches artists to go from so-so sales to sold-out collections. After witnessing 9-11, this guest abandoned a lucrative hedge fund to become a full-time thriving working artist. She has been featured in major publications from Forbes to the New York Times, and her artwork has been featured on the Amazon series Hunters and on NBC's Parenthood, one of my favorite shows. Her favorite, her forthcoming book, Artpreneur, will be released in January 2023 and is available now for pre-order. Welcome to the podcast, Miriam Shulman. How are you? Woohoo! I'm so excited to be here. I was looking I'm, forward to this conversation. I'm so glad to, that you're here like one month before your book comes out. How is it feeling? Is it feeling like, oh my God, this is getting real? What's the feeling here? The feeling now is good. So I don't know if you've heard me say this, Candace, but I've been telling most of the people who've been interviewing me, writing a book is like being pregnant with an elephant. Do you know how long elephants are pregnant? Is it like... It's 14 months. How long? Yes. Yeah. It's a more than a year. So like, and like, I'm sure it's very difficult for those poor elephants. I mean, there's a, there's a baby elephant inside of them and then they have to give birth to an elephant. And then now they have a baby elephant. That's how I feel. I have this baby elephant that I'm like walking around with, but I'm in the fun stage. Like I'm actually being able to now enjoy kind of the fruits of everything we did. And just like when we gave birth to our first child and then we said, oh yeah, I can have a second one because we <laughs> forgot all about what that was like. You're delusional. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, tell us about Artpreneur and why you wrote it. Okay. So when the pandemic was settling in in 2020, I made the goal to write a book. And I I really didn't know what kind of book it was going to be. And I did spend time writing. And uh, that was my goal to write a book that year. And by the end of the year, I decided that was a terrible goal. And my new goal for 2021 was to get a publishing contract. And the reason why I changed the goal, the reason why at that time I thought it was a terrible goal is because you can always be writing a book. So there was not an end and there was no end goal. So the getting the contract, there was more, there's more, I felt like there were steps, there was an end goal. And I did get a traditional publishing contract, mostly because I didn't know how hard that was supposed to be, which is a good thing. Like I, I had a hundred percent belief, you know, how people say how, how much that matters. Yes. Yeah. I really didn't have any doubts because I was just naive. So I, I, yeah. So I, I got the agent, I got the contract, and then they said, come back in six months 
And that's, again, when I had the thought, this was a terrible idea. So that's when I contacted you, Candace. I was like, oh, thank God there's help. Okay. So, but before we even get to that, you, yeah. this, this was a fast process for you. Like Apparently. most people spend, <laughs> you were naive, you didn't know. Most I didn't know. Spend, I didn't know it was supposed to be different. So, so I just don't want people to hear this and be like, oh, Miriam got a deal in five minutes and so can I. Because for most people, it actually doesn't happen that way. Why do you think your process went so quickly from idea to publication? Yeah, you know, there's a story and I'm going to try not to drag it out by telling the whole story. But there's a story about the Chinese artist and the, the rich man goes to him to paint a rooster. And he says, give me like whatever it was, six bags of gold and sends him away, come back in a year. And so the rich man comes back and he says, okay, I want, I want my rooster now. And the artist takes out a piece of parchment and paints a rooster and says, here you go. And he, and the guy's furious. Why did you send me away for a whole year? Um, if it only takes you a few minutes and he says, well, let me show you the back of my studio in the studio. There were hundreds upon hundreds of drawings and paintings of roosters. And I feel like for me, it was the same thing because I've been working on my podcast Mm. since 2018. And I'm also wrote a book about my own lived experience. I've been a professional artist for 20 years. So it's not like I just became an artist one year and then I decided to write a book. This There's like 20 years that have gone into it. But also because I have a podcast, I've been refining my message and because I have a coaching program, refining what that process is that I'm teaching people. And that was the message I kept hearing from my agent was like, you you have to really sell in a book form what it is that you teach your clients. Yeah. So I listened to that advice. So that hard work had already been done. Mm. And for writing the proposal, the proposal is really a sales document yes. for your book. So I've written sales pages for my program. And if the book is really what's in my program, there was just a a matter of shaping it into this new format. So it's kind of like if you go to make French toast, but you already have bread, you know, so that's kind of what it was like, okay, I've got the bread and the eggs and now I just have to turn it into French toast. Yeah. So you said something interesting. You said the book is really what's in your program. And a lot of aspiring authors I talk to who also have courses and coaching programs are really afraid to put that information in their book because they're afraid that people won't want to work with them. They'll just get the book and be successful without them and they'll never have any clients again. Why was that not a concern for you? Yeah, well, it's it's already in the podcast too. So, you know, it's like, it's all out there. Like, and the thing is, it's like everything is a different experience. Yes. So, and also all my clients think they're unicorns. <laughs> they, they, they don't understand how it applies to them until I sit there and hold their hands and say, this applies to you and you can do it. And here's why. So there's that too. I mean, coaching is really for people who, who need that, that they need to be pushed. They, they need that container. They need the accountability. So there's a lot of tools inside of coaching that you can't get from reading a book. I mean, why do people join Weight Watchers? Oh, you could read a book to lose weight. (laughs) Like, did that work for you? You know, (laughs) like you could, exactly. You could read a thousand books. You still don't know how, I mean, you know how to lose weight. Doesn't mean you're going to do it. So it's the same thing. Yeah, it's a, it's even a little bit more than that because one of the things that I noticed, so I was your book coach 
But during yes. the the process of me coaching you to write your book, you also coached me on my sales process. <laughs> and one of the things I noticed that you were brilliant at that they can't get from a book, even though you put all your program stuff in there, is giving feedback. Giving yes. specific feedback on the way people are presenting their sales. You just can't get that from a book. No, you can't. So that reminds me of a very funny story. So I just recorded the audio book and I recorded it over two days and I had two different engineers. And at the end of the second day, the engineer said, would you look at my website? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so he had listened to the whole book. So, and, and, and at first he was like, oh, well, if you're too busy, I'll mail it to you. I was like, no, 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 no free coaching happens after I walk out of here. <laughs> you get it now. Right, <laughs> right. You get it now or never. And so I walked through it and I was, it was very interesting because it's not the type of website I would normally be critiquing. He, yeah. he does like sound, um, you know, somebody has uh, an original composition and they want to set down a track and record it and add instrumentation and things like that. That's what he does. So it was interesting taking my principles and going through his different pages and saying, here, here are all the places that you, you need to make it about your customer, not about you. So, but yeah, but it's the same thing. He listened to the whole book, but yeah. it, I mean, still, it is still needed because, my help. You know? I mean, good sales strategies are good sales strategies or principles, no matter what you apply them to. I changed. I did two significant things based on what you told me. One was to raise my prices and one was to change my consultation process. And both of those things were like flipped a switch in my business. So it was like, OK, I've gotten the feedback. The grace, right? <laughs> because I was coaching you, but I had the you had the grace to give me that feedback. So it was super, super helpful for me. Well, because I went through your sales process <laughs> and I was like, you know, you almost sabotaged this. You yelled at me. <laughs> I did. I was like, I was all ready to hand over the card. And then you like, <laughs> okay, okay. We're changing the subject, Miriam. Okay, okay. You're 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 putting too much out there. Tell me about your writing process and what did you find the most challenging? Oh, the whole thing. Um, no. Okay. So wait, can I just tell you, one of my friends also very quickly got a uh, an agent, a contract, started writing the book. She's not had, she did not have the same experience I did. When, they, oh. when she ended in her book, they said, you have to pay an editor. I don't even want to tell you how much she, she has to pay because you're, you'll raise your prices again. Um, you have you have to pay an editor. It's not good enough. Oh, wow. Like that's our worst nightmare that they're going to tell us we're not good enough. Right. And yeah. that happened. And I was like, thank God I had Candace. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, God bless her. Well, the good thing is that she does have people out there. She can find somebody and she still has her contract so she can. Yeah, they the they made her take it out. It came out of her book advance, basically. Um, they said, you have to hire this person is actually that's the way a, it works That's a little her. bit of a bummer, but the reality is if she positions her book well, she'll make way more money than that. It's fine. Book. And she got a huge <laughs> advance. So It'll I don't be fine. sorry for her. <laughs> right. Like even after they took that out, it was like, okay, you still make so more money. Why than did me. you choose traditional publishing? I know you like the deadlines and all that, but why that instead of indie publishing? Oh, okay. So this is a completely different book because of all the collaborations that have happened. So the the original idea for the book was more uh, stories, less prescriptive and more like taking really what I had in my podcast and putting that into a book. And then once I went through the proposal process, it became clear that it really needed to have the same structure that I teach my clients. And then both working with you and 
my editor at HarperCollins, Linda uh, uh, Lila, I had different influences yeah. that I wouldn't have brought to the table. So um, I don't I don't know if you read the new version of it, but like Linda had put in like, how about Megan the Stallion? I was like, oh, good idea. <laughs> you know, like, you know, she's putting all kinds of things in here, like these um, inclusive underwear brands that I oh, wouldn't have known about. Yeah. 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 So it was like all these different influences. And I wanted to, one of my goals with this book is to make it an inclusive book because I was so sick of business books that don't mention women, like even the quotes that begin each chapter. It's like all Zig Ziglar and every other dude in the, you know, John Maxwell and all those people. And so I wanted there to be women. I wanted there to be people of color. I wanted there to be people who are gay. I wanted there to be Jewish people. And I wanted it. I wanted people to see themselves inside this book. And if I wrote that only myself, then people would have more trouble seeing themselves inside the book because it's just my perspective. Yeah. So by working with you, with working with Harper Collins, and even though I didn't enjoy the editorial process, you didn't. Um, so I didn't know I did not, you know, that I went crying to you. So um, there were some developmental editors that were, gave me some really harsh feedback, but yeah. some of it, I, you know, some, sometimes I took it and was like, okay, I understand where this is coming from and I will make some changes. And other times it was an invitation for me to double down even harder on my own point of view. So teasing apart which to do what was, um, you know, part of my own evolution of my own message. So my own message has been refined as a result of this process as well. This is what I try to tell people. This is one of the best ways to refine your own philosophies and your own message because you have to if you're going to write a great book. Yeah. You've got to lock it down. You mentioned that your original version was very heavy on the storytelling, which I can see because storytelling is one of your strengths. So I could see why it would be that way. So obviously that was not the hard part of writing this book for you. So what did you find most challenging? Yeah, no, and it's still it's still a heavy storytelling book. I may have trimmed a little more of the stories than I had wanted to, just to just sometimes like in the editorial process, it's like path of least resistance. It's like fine, I'll take this out, you know. Like <laughs> so I, I wanted to your listeners to know because I did not know this when I wrote a book. Like yeah. I thought you write a book, it's either 250 pages, it's 260 pages, it's whatever you make it. So no. When you sign the contract, the contract says how many pages it is. And if if it says 240 and you hand in something that's 260 and they can't trim it down, the font size gets smaller. Yep. yep. And I didn't want the font size to get too small because I really don't like books where like the font size is too small. It's painful. It is. Especially women like us in our 50s. Yes. Like, Hello. No, thank you. Like- it's painful. And see, if you're self-publishing or publishing independently, do what you want, right? Because right. you can make the book as long or as short, which has its upsides and downsides because sometimes they end up way too long and sometimes they end up like a pamphlet because they don't have someone there kind of saying this is not working and guiding them. Whereas you had someone saying that, but once you committed to that page number, that's what it needed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the hard part? Yeah, the hard part was the developmental edits. I mean, I was in tears rewriting the book. I really, really was. It, it took me a few days. And, uh, you know, when I first got the contract, I said, oh, this is a big mistake. It was like then kind of 
I was using it as evidence against myself that uh, and every line edit I would read in my mind uh, in a very mean, sarcastic voice, you know, it was like, and then when I realized, no, 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 we got to stop doing this. So then I would like neutralize what the feedback is I was getting. But like, I, I have a, you know, I have a very dramatic way of taking, taking feedback. So you yeah. do have a little background in drama. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's understandable, right? Because you've invested so much at this point, it's really personal. Like if it's a baby elephant, it's still your baby. That's right. So yeah. it's super personal. So just yesterday, actually, or day before yesterday, I thought about you because I was trying to buy a piece of art <laughs> and I could oh. not buy this art from this person. So it's a woman that I know, you know, from many years ago, but I follow her on Facebook. We're Facebook friends. She um, makes these wonderful clay masks and mugs. And they're, I mean, they're pieces of art. You would put them on display in your home. And she would post pictures. She posted a whole row of pictures. And I kept looking for a link, looking for a link. I just wanted to buy. I didn't want to have a conversation. I just wanted to buy nothing. So I left a comment. I said, how can I buy <laughs> such and such? Her response was, DM me. I DM'd her. She said, I sell out really fast often, but there's some pieces on my site. I was like, great. I went to the site to buy and the site led me to a form to fill out with my contact information so she can contact me later and I can make the purchase. And I still have not given her any money, Miriam. I, I wish your listeners can hear can see me shaking my head. Uh, but this is, I mean, it sounds like, oh my gosh, this is so weird, but I see this all the time. I see this all the time. Like one of my clients was putting her art on leggings and oh my gosh, this is so cute. I really want it. So she sent me a very similar, like sent me a message. Let me email you the different patterns and then you tell me and then I'll invoice you and I'll tell in like, no, no, no. Just make it easy for people to make an impulse purchase. Why are you making it so hard for people to check out? But I hear this is true in other industries too, not yeah. just artists. Like people make it so difficult for someone to to spend money with them. Well, do you think artists ever really learn? I mean, if someone's coming up developing like maybe a coaching business, they may go through a program that teaches them to be a coach and also teaches them how to have a coaching business. Do artists often have an opportunity to learn the business side? Well, not not in art school, but and there are a lot of artists who who don't go to art school like myself. I didn't go to art school, but I do also see this in the coaching side because a lot of these coaches of coaches will teach you that you need to do a sales call and not to put the prices on the website. And what I was discussing with my sweet audio engineer was people, especially the way buying habits have changed during the pandemic. And this research actually is in the book. And this is the parts you didn't read because I put it in after I handed in the manuscript, Panda. So it's <laughs> in there. Uh, so people's buying habits have changed as a result of the pandemic. We okay. are much more used to Amazon. We're used to the easy, quick to purchase, the click to purchase. And people value transparency. So even people who have high-end coaching packages, I, I really think they do a disservice by hiding what the price is because people might be imagining it's much higher than what you have down there. Yeah. So you may inadvertently 
people may not contact you because just what you said before, you don't want to contact always to find out the price. Why? Because you don't want to be embarrassed. People don't want to be embarrassed if that wasn't the price that they had in mind. Correct. No one wants to have to say, I can't afford it. Yeah. And which, by the way, we should never say. We should always say, we choose not to. We choose not to. I always just say, it's not in my budget right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But no one wants to be in that position. I'd rather just be able to click and buy. And I'm going to get that mug one way or another. (laughs) That's right. Just let us buy your mugs. Just let me buy your mugs. And and, and And don't make me contact you to find out what the shipping, it it should be there. It should all be there. It would make life so much easier. So. Do you teach people in your book how to figure out all this stuff? If they're yeah, that is definitely in the book. Like, don't that's one of the steps of uh, think like an abundant artist is mm-hmm. like don't make it so damn complicated for people to to buy from you. Make it easy. Yeah, you have a lot of practical stuff in the book. But you also deal a lot with what is often considered not the practical stuff, which is the mindset side of it. Why do you focus on that so much? Yeah. So first of all, um, so much of, of shopping is psychology and the psychology is on both sides. There's your own psychology and there is the psychology of your buyer. Mm. So when I go through how to price your good, your service, your art, whatever it is, I go through 14 abundant artist lessons. And that is really unpacking what the psychology is that's going on in, in the mind of your buyer. So an example of this, and this came up recently, one of my friends from college, she said, oh, I want to, I want to commission a portrait of my son and I want to buy my daughter a landscape. And I said, sure, it's whatever, it was $7.50 each. And it wasn't that the price was, that she thought the price was too high for what I was offering. It's that she was making the decision, is my daughter worth spending this amount of money on. And what a lot of people are what they go, when they go through a purchasing decision, if they're buying something for themselves, if they're investing in let's say a, a book coaching package with you Candace, they're not thinking is Candace worth it. They are wondering if is Miriam Shulman, am I the writer worth investing in? That's usually what's going through their mind. And when we make it all about us, we miss the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. You talk a lot about belief in your book as part of that mindset and the things people need to believe in in order to really get their sales out there. What? So I started in literary fiction. So as you can imagine, that's all about the work, not about the money, right? The people who are telling me this, my mentors are living in $2 million houses in Manhattan Beach, but it's okay. It's all about the work and not about the money, right? So I I mean, I literally had people, mentors tell me, get out of books. There's no money in books. This was like 20 years ago. There's no money in books. I mean, they were very much starving artist mentality, even when they weren't starving. So do you still see, do you see that going away at all in the community? No, no. And um, I hope he's not listening to this podcast because I just invited Jerry Saltz to come on my podcast. And one of the chapters in his book says, um, you need to starve. I swear to God, like, I'll go get it. So something like that, like you need to be hungry or you need to be poor. I forget what the exact words are. And so, and, and, and the trolls underneath some of my ads are pretty similar to like, well, we're we're not creating real art for the money. And I'm like, well, no, you're not creating your art for the money, but you're selling it for the money. So don't you want to make money when you're selling it? You know, it's like, 
if you're selling it, then you want money for well, we live, what you're we live selling. In an economy where we need money. <laughs> yeah, so like, what? I mean, you can go paint for fun. That's on you, pal. Go, go do it. But, and I'm not saying you should, you should create art that will command the highest prices. Although there's an argument for that as well. I mean, Michelangelo was pimped out to the Pope. He didn't even want to paint the Sistine Chapel. He said to the Pope, I'm not a painter. I'm a sculptor. And the Pope says, really? <laughs> We're making the money sign with our yes, hands. Yes, exactly. We are both doing it at the same time. So, yeah, I find that I, at this point in life, I find it silly. I mean, if you want to be hungry, that's fine. I don't, that's your business. But the idea that you must be hungry and you must sacrifice your material comfort in order to produce something of value is kind of silly to me at this point, honestly. And there's so much evidence against that too. There's so you much know, evidence on, against that. Like yeah. in the like you said, like your mentors were in two million dollar homes and the echelon on the art world makes a lot of money. But but my book is really for the people who I'm saying you don't have to be in a museum. You don't have to be in the Gagosian gallery. You can make a thriving living even without all that. So one of my favorite parts of your book, do you know what it is? Do you know what I'm going to say? No, but I can't wait for you to tell me. It's embrace your inner weirdo. <laughs> oh, that's oh my gosh, yes. So just tell us a little bit about that. They're gonna have to read the book if they want to get the full effect of embrace your inner weirdo, but and why it was important to you, because I know it was important to you to include it in the book. Yes, very important. And it's a lot of people's favorite part of the book, Candace. So I, I I should have known that. <laughs> um, so weird is uh, the original meaning of the word weird is fate or destiny. Mm. In other words, it's magical. And so the origin for, for us writing nerds, so the origin comes from Macbeth, the weird sisters who predicted Macbeth's fate. And so that comes from whatever, six, 16th century Scotland or sounds about whatever, right. Whatever year yes. that was. <laughs> Don't quiz me. Okay. So uh, it, yeah, I probably got it right. I'm sure I got it right in the book if I put the year in there, but it yes. came, came out of Shakespearean <laughs> English from yes. Scotland. Okay. <laughs> That much we know. And what happened is that as the supernatural became vilified over time, the word changed meaning. So it wasn't always vilified. And that's why when we say weird, we're really referring to like a witch is weird. It's weird. You know, it has a negative connotation, but it yeah. hasn't always. So I say that when you embrace what's weird, you're embracing your fate, your destiny, you're embracing what's magical about yourself. And you, that's what you want to do. Yeah. And it makes you stand out in the marketplace as well. You can't yeah. be like everybody else if you actually want to sell whatever it is you're selling, whether it's a book or a painting or a mug. This woman's mugs, I've not seen anyone else's masks or mugs or brooches or boxes like hers, which is why I desperately want to buy mine while I can. So she's got the embrace your inner weirdo part down. She's going to need your book to get the systems in place to actually move move the art and get the money. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what are you looking forward to as you go off and launch this book in just less than a month now, or just a little more than a month? What are you most looking forward to your book doing out there in the world? Uh, I, I love talking to people about it because that's the best way to really spread the message. And at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. I mean, the, the wor words on the page are beautiful. And I do, of course, I hope you get the book or the audiobook or wh whatever format you choose. 
but there are other ways for people to get my message and being on a podcast like yours, Candace, I'm going to reach those people who maybe they don't feel the books for them, but they will get something out of our conversation. So that's the part that I'm really enjoying right now. The the very cute baby elephant. The very cute baby elephant. Little Dumbo. Little Dumbo. We're going to give him a better name though, because I don't like the connotations. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But there is so much in there that, I mean, it's really what's one of the one of the other than spending time with you, what I learned that was applicable to my own business as a writer and as a business owner, really those strategies apply across the board. If you're a visual artist, you you need it, right? Just period, you need it. But it also applies to anyone who's selling things for a living. No, absolutely. Because all the principles come from the traditional business world. I just made it uh, accessible to artists. Yeah, yeah, which is a big deal. I know you have a free resource out there in the world for people. What is it? Tell us about it and where it is. Oh, can I give them a free chapter? You can give them a free chapter. They're going to want the book after they read the free chapter. (laughs) Okay. So the free chapter, shulmanart.com forward slash believe, because the first chapter is called choose to believe. And Candice, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, I made every chapter title is like a different mantra or affirmation, right? Yeah, I remember. Yes. Yeah. So choose to believe, just like I believed that I was going to get the book out into the world, right? 100%. (laughs) Your belief really is important. So yeah, Yeah, it is. If you, in anything you're trying to accomplish and where else can people find you out here in the world on the interwebs? Yes. So if you like what we talked about today, come find me on the inspiration place. Candace will be a guest as well. That that episode might come, might already be out by the time this one airs. Cause I, yeah, your interview is coming out December, 2022. So if this is being published after, then uh, you can link to that. You'll link to that in the show notes. I'll link to everything in the show notes. Okay. (laughs) Or someone else will do it for us. Yeah. (laughs) Different conversation. Miriam, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have you, such a pleasure to see you, but even more of a pleasure to see what your book is going to do when it launches in January. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is so much fun. My pleasure. Are you looking for more inspiration or just something to light that fire within you to finally write your book? Get my free quick guide and video, Jumpstart Your Book. This guide will walk you step-by-step through the process to start writing a book that can help you achieve your goals. Grab Jumpstart Your Book and watch the video at CandiceLDavis.com slash Jumpstart. It's free. Mm